The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Tune in and listen to the Injured List podcast of the Blue Wire podcast community and proud member of the Blue Wire Hustle program, hosted by me, Brian Scott. I'm a licensed full-time physician assistant in orthopedic surgery and sports medicine. I break down the latest in injury news regarding your favorite professional athletes each week throughout the year. I have all your major sports covered from the NFL, MLB, NHL, MLS, and MMA. There is not a sport or an injury that I will not cover. Get the most up-to-date info in easy-to-understand non-medical language so you can make the better decisions when placing your bets or setting your fantasy lineups each week. Check out my website at theinjuredlist.com where you can message me ideas for topics or questions and listen to previous episodes where I interview former athletes and healthcare professionals to talk about their experiences with sports injuries. And boom goes the dynamite. Welcome to the boom. We are coming to you each and every week from the Fight Game Media Network with all the latest in the world of AEW. Make sure to check out FightGameMedia.com and Fight Game Media Plus at Patreon.com slash Fight Game Media. I'm your host for for tonight, James McDaniel, a.k.a. Peppermint Fatty. Let me introduce my co-host each and every week, the phenomenal Kevin Ely. A.K.A. Kevin Ely. A.K.A. Kevin Ely, exactly. Kevin, how's your week been so far, buddy? Been pretty quiet. It's uh, it's it's uh, really warm here in Oklahoma for December, and it's kind of uh, kind of scary how warm. Yeah, it is. I, <laughs> I was uh, driving around town a couple days ago, and I happened upon the Christmas parade. I was wearing shorts, a short sleeve t shirt. It was seventy seven degrees, and I thought, okay, this is uh, this is a little different right here. Yep. This is a little weird. We have had, and we've had a little bit of a weird week in AEW, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, a lot of, I think the talk of the internet this week about AEW was was Dynamite. People, people had a lot of, man, people had a lot of opinions about Dynamite. People really worked up about Dynamite. Give me your initial thoughts watching it live. 
You know, I I think I got a little worked up this week about it. I'm not not upset, but yeah. As I was watching it, um, about the first half of it or so, I was thinking, you know, I'm I'm not really liking this show, uh, and I don't, I'm not sure what it is. I think you were able to go back and watch it again. I I was not able to go back and watch, but um, I there was something about the crowd that it was something about the booking. I'm not, I can't quite put my finger on it. So I'm trying to look forward to talking it through. Everything's just seemed off to Mm -hmm. me. And I, and, and it's very difficult to put your finger on why I look, I was having an off day. I wasn't in the best mood. I was really distracted. So I went back and I rewatched the show today and completely separated from watching it live. And I've got to say, I was looking at online comments when I was watching it live. I was on the phone with a friend and I was getting a lot of negativity from all ends. Watching it today, I liked it better because all the matches were good matches, mm-hmm. but that's not the problem. I, there's, there's like, let's just talk about some of the issues. Mm-hmm. I don't think CM Punk should have been wrestling Lee Moriarty. I agree. He shouldn't have been doing it. And there's a number of reasons for it. Number one, CM Punk is feuding with MJF. If if he's feuding with MJF and you're building MJF, have him fight Dax Harwood. Have him fight Cash Wheeler, Sean Spears. Lead up to, like, have him fight Wardlow before he gets to MJF. We've done it before. There's so many guys there. Imagine how great. That, That match went, I believe, 11 and a half minutes. Imagine how great CM Punk, Cash Wheeler could have been. Mm-hmm. And Lee Moriarty, to me, um, and I think I kind of talked over there. I apologize. No, you go ahead. He's just, he's not a star. He has yet. the talent of a star. Yeah, he's not a star yet. And AEW continues to take guys who are great and are well-known on the indies and put them in positions where they want you to think they're mid-carters. Mm-hmm. But they're not mid-carters. Not in AEW. Not yet. Not to the casual fan. Mm-hmm. And MJF's commentary, when I listened back, was too dead on. Mm. And then look at all the offense Lee Moriarty's getting. Look at what this nobody's doing to CM Punk. It's taking CM Punk almost 12 minutes to beat a nobody, and he is supposed to be a big star. Mm-hmm. And I believe that is legit a problem. And one of the problems facing AEW in the ratings right now is they have big stars facing quote-unquote mid-carters who actually aren't mid-carters yet. And, and, almost, and, and the big stars are having a lot of trouble beating them, and that's not what anybody's used to in the history of professional wrestling. Yeah, some of it I don't even blame on the particular match, except right. for the fact that it also followed up an almost not identical story, but an identical premise mm-hmm. of Danielson versus Angels, where yeah. Angels is going to give the guy trouble. Now, I thought the Danielson Angels match was a lot better. It told the story better. It, yes. it set up Danielson better as being the best in the world, who still had a little bit of trouble but owned it handily. I, I believe I know that the story is punk is does he still have it and he's having trouble keeping up i know that's the story i'm not really faulting the fact that they're telling that story well i think they are telling that story well i just don't know if it's the story that's going to capture people's imaginations right now Um, it's it's not what people are wanting and aw doesn't have to always give everybody what they want they're absolutely not going to but to me replace 
uh, Lee Moriarty with somebody a little more well-known. Again, they don't need to be a top star. Um, Frankie Kazarian is a name I come back to. He is a guy who's great for that situation. People have seen him for decades. They know he can wrestle. They know he's good. He's not a chump. And he would give CM Punk some problems, and it would build the story. Yeah, one thing I even thought was Nick Camarado, because the week before he had taken out QT Marshall, Mm-hmm. It made sense to me for him to send his monster out. You know, it would have followed up on that. Uh, that he, you know, physically he would have had a tougher time with him because he's a bigger dude, and they right. could have easily told that story. Except for the fact that last week on Dark they had Lee Moriarty beat Nick Camarado, and he did it more quickly. Well, yeah. that he. Either way, like he went, he lasted longer with CM Punk. Than the time it took him to beat Nick Camarado. Right. And that's a little bit of an issue. And it's not like Nick Camarado is like a huge star or anything either. I just, right. I, I think Lee Moriarty just hasn't had the time. He's been on Dynamite, I think, once. He's had a couple of dark matches, and we and you can't ever count this, on people watching dark. It's yeah. just he was an unknown to them, and he shouldn't have taken that long. And I think they just yeah. got bored because it, the, yeah, it, the, the, the other thing that I think they're doing that uh, could could be a problem is that um, they're starting to fall into a pattern of people not getting into a match until after the commercial break. They don't really okay. turn the match on until the commercial. And this was one of those matches where you could have heard a pin. I swear I heard the air conditioning in the arena. <laughs> oh, that's right. The... You were talking about yeah. that live. And I saw a number of other people say i can hear that too that's right there's just a low roar and i'm like oh that's a quiet place if you can hear the uh, you know the the air yeah. air conditioning in the arena during a match now when they came back from commercial it picked up people really got behind punk like the second half of the match fine right but i think there's just this pattern where they're starting to see oh it's punk he's gonna have a hard time with the person it starts to get that like monday night primetime wrestling feel where people are just having these sort of workmanship matches, you know, and, and people just aren't getting into it. Right. You know, I AEW blew up just a few months ago with bringing in Adam Page, Brian Danielson, CM Punk. They got had all the eyes of the world on them. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think all those people are wanting to tune in to watch CM Punk face QT Marshall. Mm-hmm. And Lee Moriarty, like legitimately, and look, I like Lee Moriarty. I've watched him wrestle other places, but in the world of AEW, Dynamite and Rampage, big shoddy Lee Johnson means a lot more right now Mm -hmm. than Lee Moriarty because we've seen him on TV. He got here first. He got here first and he's had significantly more matches. And I think the idea of every week having someone like Punk wrestle 11, 12 minutes and struggle. If you're going to, if that's your storyline, it's got to be against people who are slightly bigger names, in my opinion. Because when you look at this, we had Brian Danielson versus Alan Angels. I know Alan Angels mainly from BTE. That's where mm-hmm. I see him the most. And on BTE, he is the joke of the Dark Order. So yeah. even though he had those two matches against Kenny Omega, to me, this is almost a squash match you're presenting us. Mm-hmm. And this guy, we and we knew coming in, he's going to give Brian Danielson some problems. Mm-hmm. Then we have CM Punk versus Lee Moriarty. Also in the minds of, I think, a lot of casuals, this should be a squash match. Yep. It goes 11 minutes. And then because it's clear, the upper leadership, 
the executive vice presidents, Tony Khan, are clearly listening to this show. Last week we said, <laughs> give us Wardlow in a squash match on AEW Dynamite. Yep. This week we actually got that versus a guy named AC Adams, and it was a lot of fun. But in a way, we kind of got three matches that to a lot of people should be squash matches, right. and only one was a squash. And if they had given us the squash match we saw on Dark with, I forgot his name, the young gentleman that uh, Wardlow... A Hispanic gentleman, I remember. Yes, put in, yes uh, that probably would have gone over a lot bigger in the yeah. in, on Dynamite if they had just done a, a rematch of that. One thing I did... I they they gave a hint of something and I and I liked it but I wish that they had made it part of the program and maybe even taken some time out of the match the Moriarty match to spend time doing this was you know um, when MJF comes out and he threatens his dog uh, Punk comes out goes to confront him Wardlow cuts him off to get in between them hinting mm-hmm. that you know he's gonna have to go through Wardlow to get to Punk yeah and. One of the things that Punk says off mic is, is this the hill you want to die on to Wardlow? Right. And pointing of like saying, like, you realize that you're you're on the wrong side of this. You know, you're fighting for a piece of crap. And one of the things that I think could be really good in the storyline is MJF is kind of owning Punk a little bit. Right. So he's yeah, he's he's calling him out on a lot of things and he's pretty accurate on a lot of them. <clears throat> Yeah, And I think it would be an interesting storyline if Punk really can't get the advantage on MJF directly yet until he gets mm-hmm. him in the ring. So he starts messing with Wardlow. He starts messing with Wardlow's head and starts playing mind games with Wardlow to kind of do a flank on the side and, you know, starts playing the mind games by messing with his people. And, and I love that. Sorting that. And I think if they started to lean into that, uh, and they could do it in the... Um, Next week in the Battle Royal, I don't know who's in the uh, ring Battle Royal, uh, you know, but traditionally yeah. Ward goes in there and helps MJF win. Right. It would be kind of cool, I think, if Punk started to kind of work on him a little bit, you know, and maybe, and I think he'll probably still have to have the match, but uh, there's it, it's just a hint that I thought, oh, yeah. if they lean into that, that could be pretty fun. I, they're clearly not going to put MJF and CM Punk in this match. I, it would be great if they did, but I don't think they're going to. We yeah. know we know MJF is going to be in this in this diamond uh, dynamite battle royal. Yeah, I would be surprised if they put Punk on commentary for it. Yeah, well, no, they they said is Punk going to be the three time winner? Oh, I'm sorry, is MJF? I totally misheard you there. I thought you were saying yeah. MJF. Yeah, Punk was, on commentary yeah. for sure. No, yeah. you said Punk. I'm a moron. As <laughs> um, no, he absolutely should. It's going to be interesting to see how many uh, members of MJF's crew mm-hmm. are going to be in this match. We had a really... I'm going to say something that was on this show that confused me. I don't know about everybody else. We had Wardlow out here running into Punk. Mm-hmm. We had Adam Cole's music hit. We had Orange Cassidy's music hit. Yeah. None of those people were wrestling. The next match was absolutely Wardlow. And I don't know what Wardlow was doing during all that, during the entire confrontation between Orange Cassidy and uh, and the Super Click. But that was really weird to me in that we generally, look, you get, we generally get it made, like, recognition somebody's joining on commentary we don't usually get them coming to the ring doing their entire routine yeah that was different that was something that that was one of those things where my fantasy tony khan booker mind mm-hmm. 
uh, went over and like redid in my head. I, it made no sense. None. The only thing I can think of is he's a big star. The fans want to see the big star. Right. Run him to the ring real quick, then bring him back. That's strange, right. though. So it's very strange. They, here's what they could have done. They bring out Adam Cole. They send Tony Schiavone out to do an in-ring interview. And the, yeah. the premise of it is instead of him coming doing a commentary for a Wardlow match for no reason, they send him out to do an interview. And then you have the tension between him and Tony yeah. in the ring. And they could play off the and show the post that Britt Baker posted mm-hmm. of the Norman Rockwell painting of the Thanksgiving uh, you know, thing of her sitting on his lap. Yeah. And... And have that moment where is this the night that Adam Cole hurts Tony? Right. And so you have it have it be its own segment that's justified on its own. And then you can still send Orange Cassidy out to protect him, you know, do do everything they wanted to do. And then it actually ends with people saying, oh, OK, well, it turned out that Orange saved him and that it led to this, yeah. it led to that and have the match as opposed to. I don't think that segment accomplished anything except having people like the 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 WTFness of the whole segment totally yeah. outweighed any and, excitement anyone had about best friends versus the super click. Absolutely. And then look, we've had Orange Cassidy just kind of pop up behind people for right. years now. We've had entire segments where at the end Orange Cassidy like wanders out of the bathroom in somebody's trailer. But but this time we get the we get the Orange Cassidy entrance music as he comes up to stare at Adam Cole. Those two things together were very strange. Yeah. Um, also, look, I love Orange Cassidy. I really do enjoy Orange Cassidy, mm-hmm. both as a wrestler and just his act. I, his gimmick is entertaining to me, but I'm I'm not so sure about what they did here. And that Orange Cassidy, first of all, he went. He was full Orange Cassidy with the little yeah. spin when mm-hmm. when the Young Bucks were there. It was all great. But he is now surrounded by his mortal enemies who want to destroy him. And he does the slow kicks. And that's funny until he gets kicked in the balls and then beaten down. Right. And that just makes the face look like a moron. It makes right. the face look like an idiot. And... I don't know about that because we've we've all seen that Orange Cassidy can wrestle really fast. He can move really fast. He's a really good worker. This situation did not seem the right situation for him to be pulling his gimmick unless he's going to do it once and then they're going to make a move on him and he's going to do a spin kick or, or something. It, or it he didn't just work does it because me. he knows that his buddies are right by the entrance yeah, ready. Which to, they, sh- which they which should they have been. Have been. Yeah, this whole that whole segment was just oddly I don't know, someone was it, just off. It was, someone was it felt it felt like the show was distracted. Yes. Like the planning of the show, they had maybe something was on Tony Khan's plate that week that you know, it it just didn't seem very well thought through. There was even I'm going to so when you're watching a show like this a live show, it is shocking the amount of things that have to be done perfectly for the show to get yes. pulled off. Mm-hmm. And so the occasional misstep, we t- you know, you always sure. totally understand, you overlook it. There were so many, there was so much strangeness, like the Orange Cassidy segment, like the, them playing his entrance, Adam Cole going to the ring. Even John Silver, when he came out to run down yes. to the ring, he and he said afterwards he was he kind of did a little misstep when he started the run Mm -hmm. because apparently there was a corner near the bottom of the ring where people 
were falling all night, and he was afraid he was going to fall, just like Arn Anderson fell at mm-hmm. the top of the ramp earlier. Mm-hmm. There was just this and show seemed a little snake bit, and he also delivered information that we didn't have. So you know, they uh, there was this premise that mm-hmm. uh, that's Paige, right that, that they Paige and touch. Brian couldn't touch. Now I don't know if that was on Twitter. Or I don't. I, it had never been said on television. Never. And Silver comes out and says, everybody knows that you can't touch. And I was like, we do? And then Brian, you could tell Brian tried to save it a little bit by explaining it. I wonder if he was supposed to reveal that information or if they were supposed to do it in commentary and didn't and just missed right. it. Uh, but yeah, there was to, it, it was just a little sloppy. It was. And, and it was just... We're kind of jumping around here, but it's just the Mm -hmm. fact there were little things like this that happened all night long that just felt a little sloppy for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And like like I say, I'm totally cool with giving them a pass on this episode of Dynamite, but things need to be pulled together next week. Now, one thing we kind of danced around, I want to go back to, and that Mm -hmm. is the CM Punk MJF confrontation Mm -hmm. where we basically had promo battle round two. Mm Mm-hmm. And I didn't think we should, when you do such a brilliant job, as brilliant a job as they did last week, a 20 minute promo battle, people are talking about it. People are going to be talking about it for a long time or would have been, yep. but now you, you go back to the well, the very next week, I don't think you should not, I'm not saying you can't create magic like that two weeks in a row, but you shouldn't try. And I don't think they should have tried so quickly mm-hmm. on the turnaround. And there were a lot of things that you and I were talking on fight game media uh, webs on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And he had this thing about uh, where MJF accused CM Punk of trying to get into Britt Baker's pants. Right. We both watched this show every week and we were both a little confused until it hit me. It's because CM Punk said she was the new pillar. It was his jealousy that led to that. That was not immediately apparent to me. I don't think that was immediately apparent to you. Mm-mm. And um, it did not go over. The whole thing didn't go over as well as the previous week. I am. Look, I am all about anybody saying anything. I am a, a free speech nut, Kevin. <laughs> but I did not love the talk of I'm going to put down your dog. I didn't love that. For yeah. whatever reason, it bothered me the slightest bit because I am a dog lover. And there's a lot of talk about when is. MJF going to get in trouble for going too far. And that is nowhere near as far as he's gone a lot of times. Mm-hmm. But with the, the the casual viewing public, that could put off a lot of people. I just, the whole thing didn't go over as well as the previous week. Hi, y'all. Double G here. My co-host, John LaRocca, and I have been re-watching episodes of 1997 Raw, the turning point year for the WWF, and reviewing those episodes on Fight Game Media Network Plus in 2022, we'll do the same thing with 1998 Raw. So if you miss some of the golden years of the WWF, come hang out with us every week. We'll break down the shows and the pay-per-views as well and give you context and insight through our research that will take you right back to that time frame. It's wild watching these shows back with current eyes. Subscribe at patreon.com front slash fight game media yeah i agree that they just shouldn't have tried i agree yeah. you know that and they didn't you know do a huge segment or anything but i agree that it should have just been i think mjf just burying him on commentary was you know probably what sh- what he should have been doing yeah um e- even if it was a little too accurate at some point yeah you know but i think like 
I think if it had been him coming out and Punk just saying like, hey, we're not going to talk anymore. I'm going to come get you. And, you know, just not even wait to be set off that, you know, that's another trope they're sort of falling into too much is like someone Mm -hmm. talking crap to someone. And then they say that one line that's over the line and they say, that's it. I'm going to go and they separate each other. That's been done like three or four times this week. Um, Yeah. And I, I think it, yeah, it, it, it's a little bit of trading water and and I feel like we're being super negative. Uh, You know, it, it overall was, you know, not a waste of time or anything like that. Yeah, um, but it is just kind of you're just noticing that when they're you know just not firing all cylinders. And I think the reason we're talking about the negativity is because the internet was talking about the negativity. Yeah. And the reason we're talking about it, and the reason the internet's talking about it, is because at least for me, this is my favorite wrestling show. This yeah. This is the wrestling I love, and I want it all to be great. And so when when I'm offering criticism, it's because I want I want it to be better. Mm-hmm. I want it to be better because I know how great they can be. And listen, and look, I've said it a million times, and I'll say it a million more times. As good as AEW is, Tony Khan has been booking wrestling shows for two and a half years. Right. It's only gonna get better. There, yeah. But there's there are gonna be hiccups. There's gonna be missteps. And look, the wrestling on this show was great. The Wardlow squash match was great. Brian versus versus Angels was was a really good match. It was Punk, fun. Versus, mm-hmm. Punk versus Moriarty was a good match. Um. The Gun Club versus Darby and Sting, I really enjoyed. I loved Sting's makeup. I loved... Yes. And initially, before I even realized it was perfectly matching Darby's, I was I, my eyes immediately went to Sting. They went to the makeup going down the neck. And for whatever reason, that tiny bit of extra makeup mm-hmm. made Sting look 10 times better. It looked it awesome. Did. Yeah, the, the little teeth painted on and everything. Yeah. Like that. Yeah, it was great. And it made a little... It just gave it that match just a little extra oomph. Yeah. Um, to to make it feel special, um, you know, and not just Sting and Darby against the Gun Club, because there's no reason that match should be a big deal. Right. Uh, you know, despite the fact the Gun Club were undefeated. Yeah. But, <clears throat> excuse me. Who knew? Yeah. But it was super fun. I mean, that was a really fun match. And yeah. I am amazed. I You know, I would love to talk to or hear from uh, people who could explain... I don't know how produced their matches are at AEW, like, you know, how agented they are, who's laying out the matches, but whoever is in charge of deciding what spots Sting does and how mm-hmm. and when he does them is a genius. Yeah. It is amazing I, how well he is used in matches. And in, listen, anybody that wants to correct me on what I'm about to say, send in an email, peppermintfatty at yahoo.com and let me know. Um, I have been, I've read multiple times that basically AEW tells them who, who's going to win and has a little bit of a say in the how. And other than that, it's, it's, it's probably sting and, mm-hmm. but whoever, whoever's been given input since the beginning, phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, he has looked like a million bucks in so many matches. I never I never in a million years, Kevin, when they announced the signing of Sting last year at Winter's Coming, yep. I never imagined we'd get this many Sting matches in which he would look fantastic. Yeah, and that you can tell that the people love working with him. Yeah. That all the people who get to work with him are enjoying it. They love to be in the ring with him. They take care of him. Mm-hmm. Um, no one's putting him in a position to look bad. They're, you know, they're fine with him. No selling chair shots and things like that. Yeah. And, um, and he's just I, the, 
I didn't know if the Sting Darby act would really gel a year ago when they first started right. to put them together, but they've really, really come together as a team that just is such a great act with just the, the steadiness of the veteran Sting and just, you know, that's yeah. like this tree moving around and then just Darby zipping around him like the little Chihuahua dog, you know, <laughs> it's like kibbles and bits, but like, uh, you know, they're, they're just such a solid act. Yeah. You know, I was thinking I was thinking during this match on Wednesday night when Sting came in, I knew he was going to be working with younger guys to help him get over. I never imagined it was just going to be Sting and Darby for the long haul. And I love that. But also this goes back to the old every how everybody expected a Sting Undertaker WrestleMania at some point. Mm -hmm. And I was confused by that. And the reason I was confused by that is because Sting in my heart is will always be bleach blonde surfer sting. Yep. I don't remember him exclusively as this dark crow like character like everybody else. I watched it, but to me that was a small era in the Sting saga. Uh, right. But clearly that's Sting now. That is Sting. Yeah. And uh, and it is working incredibly well with Darby Allen. Also, I got a text during this match. Somebody's like. Darby Allen is going to end up in a wheelchair. Yeah. They're like, if people don't slow him down on some of these diving spots and some of this other stuff, and that is a, a, probably a legit concern at the greats we've lost due to injuries over the years. He, he punishes his body for the fans and it is mm. a phenomenal thing to watch, but, I, but people are genuinely worried about this guy. Yeah. I mean, he not, he cut his head open on, on this one. He did a crazy yeah. flip where his head was kind of underneath his body that, that was pretty rough. Yeah. What this is not this is not playing what we're talking about there with the danger, but one of the things I liked was Billy Gunn picking him up off the ground by his belt and carrying him. Yes. And to me, I just love that. I I loved that. Just the power of Billy Gunn. And and again, that's one of the fun most more fun things you get to see in these Darby Allen matches against Giants. And so, yeah, and I enjoyed that match, I think, even more today, again, kind of removed from Wednesday. And that had it was um, that match was more fun than any gun club match had any right to be. And that's a, <laughs> yeah. and that's a good thing, because I think they thing. are like they have all these guys they've been building over the years on dark and dark elevation. And they're picking their spots on when to kind of move them into the rotation. And this is clearly that spot for Austin and Colton gun. And they, they both look good to me. I've enjoyed their matches. Mm -hmm. I haven't, I have nothing. There's been nothing that's glaringly popped out at me as, Oh, these guys don't have it. And being there with their dad, who is unbelievable condition for his age and can still go. Yep. It's a, it's a good situation. Yep. And so after that, and we might as well talk about these last two matches. Uh, basically, all I want to say about Chris Statlander and Ruby Soho was a great match. I loved it. I, enjoyed, I, yeah. I was hoping Statlander would go over, but Ruby's the big new hire. Ruby should have gone over, and she did. I'm guessing like later this year, next year is going to be Chris Statlander's time to shine. But she is those both those women can put on a show, and I really enjoyed that match. One of maybe the most fun pure match of the show for me. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And then we get to the Atlanta street fight. I was wondering from the beginning <laughs> what it was. And we saw 
And I'm guessing, look, Arn Anderson showed us in the beginning what can happen in Atlanta Street Fight is anything. Arn Anderson falls off the ramp. He gets picked up by Jose, the assistant. He is helped up and then immediately starts being beaten. My favorite shot of that was from Twitter. Somebody in attendance, they're like, oh, God, when Arn falls. And then they start cackling as they see Jose help him and then start punching him. And that's twice twice he's just fallen down on national tv i hate to see it yeah and listen i don't know how many how many listeners out there watch curb your enthusiasm but there was an episode early this season where larry david was dating um lucy lou and 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 lucy lou sees larry walk into a glass door and the whole thing was about how she could not be attracted to him ever again after he's walked into a glass glass door because he looks old and infirm. Mm-hmm. And I, I hate that for Arn Anderson. But, yeah, he's fallen off the ring now once. He's fallen off the ramp now once. And Arn did not necessarily look old and infirm to me, but it's it's starting to creep in starting to creep in i'd rather i'd rather him just stay in the back or maybe just do some promos than be out there stick to the middle of the ramp at the very least yes just stay in the middle it's a wide berth yeah he can still deliver a choke slam he just doesn't need to be climbing anything at all right needs to be ground level yeah how many new orleans stay below sea level arn um it's just geez but man look it was a good street fight uh, they did a lot of things, but the, the, the talk of the of this match was the fire. Yeah. Brandy can't, comes out. Mm-hmm. Even before we get to Brandy, who got booed mm-hmm. vociferously. Um, I think it was Taz said, what's that on Cody's back? And pointed yep. out what is clearly some sort of flame-resistant stuff on Cody's back. I'd already noticed it thinking, has he been tanning too much? Yeah, it looked, what like I was a, th- it looked like a really bad sunburn that had yeah. been peeling, and I thought, well, why don't they just, like, scrub that, like, get a loofah on that before he goes out, you know? Yeah, and but, then... But then it made sense later when, I think it was someone, when we were watching it, someone in the uh, Fight Game Facebook group yeah. went out, they thought it might have been some f- flame retardant for a fire spot, and that Which it, from then on, I was like, okay. Yeah. In retrospect, yeah. it clearly was. When I yeah. first, when the fire first happened, I thought maybe they'd tried the spot before, which led to the peeling skin, mm-hmm. but it wasn't peeling skin. They were dead on. I think that might have been Daniel that said that. Whoever it was, mm-hmm. thank you, because you were dead on. Um, yeah. I didn't mind. Look, I don't, personally, I don't mind any spots they want to do, but I know a lot of people. Paul Fontaine, for one, does not like the GCW type stuff, the deathmatch stuff. There's a yeah. lot of people, and I think that might be a small part of why AEW year over year lost a number of women yeah. is tax, barbed wire, mm-hmm. glass, fire. And so now, because of that, because I know it can lose other people, I get a little... I. I'm not as excited when I see it. I get that Cody wanted to put on a big show, and he did, and good for him. But, man, like, the top of the table, Kevin, mm-hmm. we talked about this a little bit. The top of the table clearly was melting. Yep. And bits of it stuck to him, and they were yep. on fire, stuck to his body. And Andrade. And Andrade, while he was pinning Andrade, that, look, even if it's only a small part of your body, that can you can get some incredibly serious burns really yeah. quickly. And somebody, I, I'm surprised that we haven't seen Andrade tweet a picture, and he may yeah. have, and I just missed it. But when there was a piece that was burning on his chest that he was patting out as he was being pinned, yeah, and then he pulled it off, and you could tell. I mean, it was just bright red. 
where yeah. it, where it was that he probably had a pretty bad burn on on there and that that's the thing about those fire spots is the whole idea and i've seen it uh, of people i can't remember specifically but i've seen them like on twitter and such of people who are, have experience in like death matches and things mm-hmm. like that and i remember someone posting a quote uh I wish I could remember who it was off the top of my head, but it was an old wrestler quote from someone saying, I think it might have been like Terry Funk or someone, mm-hmm. don't do things you don't know how to do. Yeah. And one of the and, things about this fire spot was, I don't know, like, I don't know how to do it. So I, but I know that the idea is you put enough to have a big flame, but enough to where the flame goes out instantly as soon as you hit it. Yep. And... You know, Randy soaked that she table, soaked Kevin. She it. took a long time and soaked it. Right. And here's 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 my biggest problem with it. I don't mind a fire spot. A fire spot can be incredibly dramatic mm-hmm. and um, is probably a lot safer than it looks when it's done right. Yeah. Um, the thing that I don't like about it was it was a match that really didn't deserve that kind of spot in terms mm-hmm. of the story. It clearly, to me, the when after it was over, and then when I heard that Brandy had uh, done a match on the dark tapings, mm-hmm. like later in the week, I thought, ah, we must be in production for Rose of the Top season two. And hey, yeah, and what occurred to me was this: they didn't do this spot to tell a great story. They didn't do this spot because it was the big climax in the you know one week long Andrade Cody feud. He did that spot so that they would have a great highlight for Rose to the Top and or The Big Show. And that really bothered me. Yeah, because, that makes sense. Because that's asking someone, and I'm sure that Andrade agreed to do it, but it's yeah. still like you're that that's a dangerous spot. You're asking a lot of your partner yeah. to do that. Uh, and to just sort of, I don't know. I'm uh, We legit you know. saw a situation where somebody could have come out needing skin grafts. Yes. Which yeah. that's not a situation you want if your job is being on television. Right. If because whatever melted, else you're doing, if some of that melted surface had gotten on their face, like there, mm-hmm. it could have been pretty bad. And it, you know, and it, it, it again, those things oftentimes we find out that they're safer than they look. But yes, that looked like that wasn't very well controlled, and uh, and it, I don't know, it really rubbed me the wrong way. Um, and and the other thing was, I feel like a fire spot should have been saved for a match with Malachi Black. Because that's absolutely the feud, that's the feud that would have led to something like that. That's the All, feud, and that's the hot character at the moment. That's right. the the evil guys building the house of black. That's what you're right. That's where a fire spot should have come in. It also skipped about a couple of steps because, um, you know, Malachi has been doing things like blowing the mist, and you know, some of these mm-hmm. kind of old school dastardly heel yeah. tactic things. And one of the things we haven't seen from him is throw a fireball which also is a very easy flashy spot that's actually yeah. a lot safer because they use magician paper and things like that because that it's very dramatic and could have been a weeks-long angle if Malachi Black had thrown fire at Cody. And then you would have had a match where Cody puts him through a flaming table as revenge, but now they've already skipped that spot. And, you know, so it's like they kind of like blew a couple of tools to do this big thing. But, you know, it'll look great on the reality show. You so. you just reminded me of one of my favorite memories of Mid-South Wrestling. I hope you remember this. You might not, because I think it was a basic, like, Friday night, Saturday morning, whatever show. Mm-hmm. Um, Skandar Akbar, I believe, threw a fireball into somebody's face. And it was this big controversy they talked about for weeks. And what Skandar Akbar claimed happened was, I didn't throw a fireball. 
this guy, and I can't remember who it was. Let's mm-hmm. say Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Mm-hmm. Hacksaw Jim Duggan was so drunk that my cigar ignited the man's breath. <laughs> and I remember that my entire life, and I love it. But yeah, I want to classic. I want to see somebody throw a fireball. Exactly. Yeah. It's old school dastardly stuff. We had back in the day, we had Muda with the Mist. Mm-hmm. We had Skandar Akbar, the Sheik throwing fireballs. Yeah, Terry Lawler or something. Yeah, like exactly. So many people. By the way, so. My dad, I grew up, I think I've said this on here before. My dad had this huge bookstore growing up. So I had all the wrestling magazines in my mind. Again, I I watched Mid-South. I watched NWA, watched WWF. I'd never really seen Jerry Lawler at this point. All I knew of Jerry Lawler was he chokes people with chains and he runs people over with cars. And I was (laughs) so excited to get my first taste of Jerry Lawler back in the day. Yeah. So I was like, this man's a lunatic. Mm -hmm. This man will do anything. I was so excited back then. (laughs) Always reading to see what was going on in Memphis. Yeah. Memphis sounds like a wild place. I never see it. (laughs) Yeah. It's a real shame. Let's see. Okay. So then we move on to Rampage. Rampage was just... Rampage was just fun. It was just a good hour of wrestling to me. Mm-hmm. Sammy versus Tony Nese, great match. I really enjoyed it. Um, Jade Cargill killed her opponent, which she should have. I was surprised we got Thunder Rosa running down and actually engaging. And I love that she did um, basically, uh, what was it? Um, basically, Jade kind of kicks at her outside the ropes and she throws a leg lock on. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And there's one wrestler, there's one MMA match that I want to talk about that I've thought MMA should or that pro wrestling should copy for a very long time. And that is UFC 100, Frank Mir versus yep. Brock Lesnar. Brock murders Frank for every second of that match until Frank gets an ankle lock. And in WWE, what I wanted more than anything was Brock Lesnar to be on a monster run, mm-hmm. run into Brian Dan- Daniel Bryan at the time, murder Daniel Bryan, but every match, Daniel gets an ankle lock. Yeah. And and I think that's a great storyline, and I've never seen it. So that's what stood out to me. I love that, that Thunder Rosa threw her in a leg lock. Yeah. <laughs> and then Pac Penta versus FTR, you can't go wrong with that. That was a great match. That was a great match. And I think, and, and you know, uh, my hot take is or probably not even that hot, but I have to confess that I am not a big fan of Ray Phoenix. And I thought of you during the show because every announcer called him uh, Ray Phoenix. Ray, yeah. Phoenix. Oh, it drives but, me crazy. But, uh, but Pac said Phoenix. So one member of the death. Pac is staying true. He is yeah. staying true to us. He's team Phoenix. Yeah. So, so what did you think of Pac replacing Phoenix in this match? I thought it was the better for it. I mean, Pac is a better wrestler. Phoenix is spectacular. But I one of the things that I don't like about him is that um, he just seems so out of control in terms of what he's doing. It, it, it seems like what he's doing is trying to just do spectacular moves and yeah. not really tell a story of a match. And that's and, a lot of um. A lot of the criticism the Young Bucks have gotten, and I think justifiably, and we haven't seen as much criticism of Ray Fenix, mm-hmm. and we should, and we started getting it a couple years, a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. when like apparently he knocked out a member of FTR and did not check on them, mm. um, and then also again he's the guy that I see a lot of times he'll be, they'll be in like a little bit of a brawl and he's not even paying attention yeah he's not even necessarily landing and it doesn't look good he can be the best wrestler in the world mm-hmm. but he's not always and pack being pack being in that match did add a new a new la- 
a new level to it, and uh, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. I really pack is so solid. And one of the things that yeah. he did, one of the little things that he did, and I think Brian Alvarez mentioned this uh, on their on the, one of the shows this week was mm-hmm. um, packed at a spot where they were playing up the eye, throwing off his depth perception and things like that. Yeah, and so he did a spot where he was going to do a springboard off the ropes and just ate it on his face. And then that was the spot, and then FTR took over from there. And at first I thought, oh, my gosh, that looks so horrible. And so I went back and watched it again. And when I watched it again, it was completely under control. Pack jumps up. He does the springboard. But instead of putting his feet on it, he hits it with his shins so that he basically does, does a tumble. So he's selling his depth perception being off. Selling his depth off perception the move. being off. But he did it so fast and so well that for a second I thought, oh, my gosh, he really – you, know, you get really he got genuinely me. concerned. Yeah. yeah. And that's the kind of thing I don't see Phoenix doing. When Phoenix does that, yeah. it's because he's really screwed up, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because he's just going a mile a minute and yeah. can't, you know. So I, I really like the match. I think, I mean, any, Mac, any match with Pac is better for it. And um, I, Can you Im- I am looking forward to, to the real title match, though. Let's talk real quickly about Tony Nese. Mm-hmm. Imagine being Pac. Mm-hmm. And being on a show with only three matches and you don't have the best body on the card. <laughs> that's that's right. insane. Nice look like, great. Yeah, Nice looked great. Like I've seen some people um I've seen some people basically saying he's weak on the mic. Like his promo on Dynamite I thought was fine. Mm-hmm. But my God, he had a great match with Sammy Guevara. Yeah, like, what do you think? Because he's kind of new to you, isn't he? Yeah, he is very new to me. I've only, I've literally only seen his matches in eight. Did AW. he impress you? He did. The thing is, this wasn't like a six-star match. It was just a really good match. Yeah. And he, like, and I was just thinking, he's again a guy that I'm like, did, did we need to sign him? And with the body he has, mm-hmm. which is distractingly incredible body, mm-hmm. and do, being able to put on a match like this against Sammy Guevara, it's like, yes, if you can sign a guy like this, sign him and figure it out. Like, I had, figure I it had out. A, I had a thought about him, and it was, I saw an article somewhere, and I'm not sure how credible it is. It might have just been from a from an interview somewhere mm-hmm. that there's talk that uh, Brian Danielson has been saying that he wants to have a faction. I saw, uh, I saw that headline preparing for the podcast yeah. and that made me excited. So I was sitting to think about that and that might be, this might be something to spend a couple of minutes talking about is yeah. who would be in Brian Danielson's faction and what kind of faction would it be? And one of the things that made me think of was I was never a big follower of evolve, but mm-hmm. I always heard about the faction catch point. Okay, that yeah. was um, uh, like Drew Gulak, and I think um, uh, Riddle was in there for a while. And it was just this sort of like almost like a diamond mine from NXT type, you know, thing. And yeah. it made me think of like the old uh, like Slaughter's, Sergeant Slaughter's Cobra Corps, you know, where you have uh-huh. like the hard ass teacher who's like the best and he's bringing these guys on and he's going to we're going to be the best workers we're going to be the best technical wrestlers we're going to submit everybody i'm going to be teaching them what i know and it occurred to me that tony nice could be a good fit for that kind of group yeah well and this like as part of this conversation let's talk about the fact like a few weeks ago we were like well like Daniel Bryan, Brand Danielson made the heel turn, and right. is he really a full heel? He is clearly a full heel now. Yeah, he is clearly yeah, he is. full heel all the way. And Tony Nice is a guy calling himself the per- like is it the perfect athlete, mm-hmm. premier athlete, premier athlete. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. I, that and that's the exact type. You're right. That is the exact type of stable Brian Danielson needs. He is like he is like they're not saying he's the best wrestler in the world. We know he may very well may be the best wrestler in the world because mm-hmm. of course CM Punk's used 
using yeah. that right now. But yeah, Tony Nese is the perfect guy. He's egotistical and he's egotistical about how good he is because he is that good. Mm-hmm. And I and I think that's great. That was very much a Mr. Perfect thing back in the day. Yep. He was just the best there was. Almost went into a Bret Hart thing there. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I love that a lot. And it's interesting. I, I kind of feel like they might be in between eras of factions right now. Going back to mm-hmm. what we talked about a few weeks ago, and the, the acclaimed isn't coming out as the acclaimed, not the acclaimed, the, the pinnacle. pinnacle isn't coming out as the full pinnacle anymore. We're mm-hmm. not getting, we don't have the full elite anymore. And we don't have, we, we're seeing Jericho getting jumped by himself. That's not a thing that happened in the past. Right. Also, uh, a friend of mine pointed out, he's like, part of the reason he thinks He's he's wondering if maybe the reason AEW is suffering a little right now might be the fact Kenny is gone mm-hmm. and Kenny was running a major faction and the fact that we had almost a two year period where almost every episode of Dynamite was featuring Chris Jericho and his group and they were putting on some they were putting on some good 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 matches great mm-hmm. matches great brawls great segments they really did a lot in the early days. Uh, to help save Dynamite in the early days of the pandemic. And uh, and he was wondering if maybe it's a little bit of, have they fully replaced your Omega and your Jericho and your guys like that? I'm not saying he's right. I'm mm-hmm. just saying that's worth thinking about. Yeah, I think it's I think it's not so much that they're lacking it as much as they're just in transition. Yeah. And it's so it's transition. a little bit of a rebuild time. I think it, I think, I mean, I have faith that it's going to build back up. Yeah. Uh, over the next couple of months. And again, I remember a time, and I don't remember exactly what was happening on Dynamite. About a year ago, year and a half ago, it felt the exact same as this to me. Mm-hmm. I was having the same conversations with friends, and it was a trans- transitionary period, and they were out of it pretty quickly. Which, by the way, we had Don Callis kind of walk behind the elite this week. Like, we saw Don Callis. I didn't even see that. Yeah, he just wandered behind him and acted like he pointed at his phone behind the Young Bucks and Adam Cole. So Don Callis is still here. And I've been wondering about that because we know Don Callis left TNA, or Impact, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Without Kenny, like... To me, you immediately put Don Callis on commentary. He's one of the best commentators in the business. Um, and I was just, and I've been wondering where he was. And man, take him out, put him on commentary. I, I would love. love I to completely see. agree. I think that's great. He's he's one of the best there is at doing color, and he's 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 does it a little better than Taz, where Taz sort of has like a a switch that he flips uh, yeah. between Team Taz, Taz, and uh, Dark Elevation Taz. This week, he, he, this week when he was on commentary and he had, he was only temporarily on commentary, I think for a match and he had hook standing behind him and he had Will Hobbs standing behind him and he was getting into an argument with Leo Rush. He flipped that switch during that when he was responding calmly to something Leo Rush said and then flipped the switch into his like verbal assault. And I I cracked up because he realized, oh, I'm not on basic commentary right now. I'm literally in in a battle right now. That was another one of those weird segments. But yeah, it was. There were so many this week. Yeah, we can't even remember them all. Mm -hmm. And I guess if and, you know, best wishes to Jr. during his treatments. Uh, Yes, I hope, you know. You know, it sounds like he's going to be out for a little bit, uh, probably several weeks or so. Um, I, so they need to shake up the desk a little bit. And I think yeah. I think bringing Callison would be 
would be the what they exactly what they need to do because with Omega out, it doesn't have to be all about him being Omega. He can actually yeah. focus on things. They can plant seeds for future storylines. You know the way he comments on um Cole matches or something like that. Yeah, you know I I I think he'd be great in that role. Yeah, they 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 look. I I like what they're doing. I like that they're giving Big Show a shot. I like that they tried out Mark uh, Mark Henry and they've got Taz and they've got Eddie Kingston. It's like you've. You've got a guy on commentary who is legitimately one of the best in the world. Yeah, like you can keep tr- you can keep trying your other guys while when 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 uh, Don Callis is on TV in an active role. When he's not, man, use him, use yeah. him. He's as good as it gets. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, the one thing I one of my I did not see Dark Elevation this week, and I did not see all of Dark. You didn't miss a ton. But what I loved when I, the, what I did see in Dark is Excalibur welcomes, he welcomes um, Eddie Kingston to the booth. Mm-hmm. And Kingston basically says, uh, he basically says, I, I wish Tony Schiavone was here. <laughs> or so it was something to that effect. Like, where, like yeah. I, I miss Tony. Yeah. And it was hilarious. It was great. One thing you missed from Dark uh, that I would not put in a should have been a dynamite thing was the debut of Infinito. Infinito. A, yes. Okay. It's another masked mystery man who suspiciously is built just like Brian Danielson. Really? And his finish was called the infinite airplane spin. And he swung this man around 50 times probably before he dropped him for the pin. So clearly there is a theme of big stars dressing up in costumes and doing dark matches just for fun. I am 100% going to watch this, and I'm going to be very excited, too. And the thing is, I kind of get it, because for all... Look, we have criticized the wrestling schedule Mm -hmm. for years. People wrestling 300 times a year. That's insanity. It's criminal. But in AEW, if you're Brian Danielson, you might wrestle once a week unless Mm -hmm. you do that. And I totally get them not wanting to put Brian Danielson on dark every week. I kind of understand that. But, okay, here's... um, Here's a tiny bit of wrestling trivia. I bet you know the answer. Okay. Do you remember Colt Boom Boom Cabana's masked, per, what his masked character was? Matt Classic. Yes. Which is a I like great that. name. I love that so much. I wish we got a little Matt Classic on Dark and Dark Elevation. That's what I'm looking forward to. I, I love that name. I, of course, at one point, some point would love to put on a, uh, a smock and be Mark Dr. MD. Dr. <laughs> Mark Dr. MD. Um. Yeah. yeah. So one of the big um, one of the big stories this week is we've had all these people coming to AEW. Mm-hmm. A lot of people say AEW uh, is a little bloated. The roster, it's hard to argue with that, but we know there are going to be a lot more coming in. But we finally got somebody exiting yep. AEW, not the first, but one of the first. And that is a uh, big swole. Yep. She wasn't she was to she was not fired. They did not cancel her contract early. Yeah, Yeah, mutually agreed. One of the things I did not know uh, about Big Swole until I started reading these articles was uh, apparently she'd been battling Crohn's disease, Mm -hmm. has a very bad case of Crohn's disease, and was out for months at a time. And I I hate to hear that. I have been in situations where my body was betraying me, and I cannot imagine trying to be a professional wrestler and fight that. We like that just sounds horrible. Yeah, but I I don't. 
I think she is someone whose contract probably should not have been renewed. And I hate being the guy to say that. Yeah. As in, she was a prospect. She mm-hmm. was there to get better. She was very green. Mm-hmm. To me, she's what she is was a she is what you eventually what they wanted her to be was what they got out of Jade Cargill. The Basically, bit, yeah. Jade Cargill is much closer to the character I think they wanted Big Swole to be. Mm-hmm. She got some good programs. She got some memorable programs. You know, she got to fight Britt Baker in Britt Baker's dental office. Yep. That's pretty good for somebody who is a pretty green character. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hope all the best for her. Yeah, me too. Um, I don't I don't know if her future is in wrestling I don't, I, or if she's going to get signed somewhere else or... Uh, I don't know how severe the uh, the condition is or if she's got yeah. that under control. I know that, like, uh, I think Brock Lesnar suffered from that, too, but he figured out how to yeah. somehow eat a lot of meat and still <laughs> get by. But, um, yeah, so hopefully hope, hopefully she lands somewhere that, that is good for her and, and, and fulfills her. But, yeah, but I do agree. She wasn't really adding a lot. Um, and they do need some more diversity in their roster. But Yes. But that's not a great reason to keep someone on who's not um, no, that's why you signed. Really, not really, she's just not really catching on. Yeah, and of course the diversity thing. I want like I don't want to trip over my words and sound like a moron here. Mm-hmm. I was about to say that's why you signed Leo Rush, but you don't really sign Leo Rush for diversity. You no. sign him because he's one of the best wrestlers in the awesome. world. Yeah. He's awesome. Yeah, and also um, I like if you want diversity, I'm really hoping and assuming they're going to bring in Keith Lee. I love Keith Lee. Yeah, Keith Lee is phenomenal. And when I was thinking about that, like, and we can have a quick conversation about who we think should come in from this this recent thing about from this these recent cuts. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about the early days of AEW versus NXT, and and I feel like it was mainly the WWE side of this that wanted it to be a war. Mm-hmm. And as we're now, I guess, three years in into our third year, so many of the people from those early um, Wednesday night wars that were wrestling for the other side are now in AEW. Right. And so many more probably coming, you know, um, it's it's kind of ridiculous the fact that I think uh, we're we're recording this on Sunday night right. and we've got this NXT thing going right now and we've got people who are having their last matches almost certainly before mm-hmm. they make the jump over to AEW and just the the level of guys the the fact uh, the Keith Lee's the Karrion Cross the fact that Adam Cole the very first AEW versus NXT was main evented in a title match with Adam Cole. Mm-hmm. And now Adam Cole's here, and I believe episode two was main evented by Leo Rush. Mm-hmm. And now Leo Rush is here in AEW. And a lot of people, of course, criticize AEW for signing everybody. They're not signing everybody. They're signing the freaking best wrestlers in the world. Yeah. Yeah, and if Keith Lee comes in, I think, and, and I would assume that if Keith Lee comes in, they, they would also sign Mia Yim, who would absolutely yes. be a, a, a credit to the – to, to her division and unique Absolutely. also in in her style and personality she would she'd be great yep um so yeah i, don't I mean know. that's a no-brainer there for both of those i have not been heavily exposed to hit row but i've seen some promos and i've seen some photos mm-hmm. and i'm like yeah they need to sign hit row and uh what's the do you remember the name of the female who was with that group because yeah, B. I'm not sure what her actual name is that she's going by now. Yeah. But in NXT, she was B. Fab. Ton of personality. Yeah, uh, she was sort of a, um, sort of a, a, to me, a sort of parallel to Jade Cargill in that she had amazing physique, really tall, mm-hmm. 
you know, a similar look with the light hair and, but also had a very different personality and was awful in the ring. Really, really, really bad. She did not know what she was doing, but she had such presence. She was the glue of that act. Um, and I think she would come in and, it, you know, I don't know if Hit Row needed to be all four of them. They really had a, they really had a, but, but, um, uh, Swerve Scott, who, uh, Shane Strickland, I believe is yeah, uh, the name he normally goes by. Um, he would be a huge addition. And if they were to figure out how to reconfigure that act in a way that brings over what made Hit Row great, because it really was some, they really missed the boat by dropping those people. I was bl- I was blown away because again I wasn't out- I wasn't actively watching NXT, mm-hmm. but I paid attention to it because I love a lot of the wrestlers over there, mm-hmm. and those were the names I was hearing all my friends talk about. And I'll tell y'all, one of the reasons I did not watch NXT was because of my experience and being disappointed by WWE. It's yeah. One of the reasons I love AEW and I'm so invested is because. What I told people is, yeah, NXT is is the best wrestling on TV. Mm-hmm. Night in, night out, they are going to have better wrestling overall than AEW because AEW has a lot of younger talent, mm-hmm. a lot of very young talent. Because like, like WWE signed a lot of people specifically to keep them from AEW. Right. But it didn't matter how great they got. It didn't matter how great Karrion Cross was. He's going to get called up. And they're going to put a stupid mask on him. And then they're going to fire him a month later. Yep. I said that to people, not those exact words. And that is exactly what happened. I didn't want to get invested in people on NXT and right in the middle of some huge run, they get called up and their name becomes Braun Breaker, who, by the way, he is, he is somebody I really wish AEW had. And I know AEW is not, AEW is not sniffing Braun Breaker for years and years, if ever. Yeah. Um, But oh my God, I, again, I love the Steiner brothers so much. And I love Braun Breaker. And so when I do watch NXT, it's to watch Braun Breaker these days. So one thing, there's a couple things. Number one, as we're talking about people coming in, how surprised are you we have not had Lana yet in AEW? There were a couple of promos where where, um, Miro was talking about a, a woman, like his woman, and I just assumed we'd get Lana by now. And we've not seen Lana right now. Braun is working a program against God. He's talking about going to heaven right. and, and the streets running <laughs> red with blood. Right. Yes. Like, I don't know how we're coming. Like, Vince once faced Jesus, I believe. Yeah. And Jesus lost, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. Um, I don't know where we're going, but I'm excited. I love crazy Miro. I love crazy I do too. Miro storming the gates of heaven and hell. I, I, I can't wait to see. What did you think of the, the complete white background on his promo this week? It was a little odd. Uh, it was a little, I'm not used different. to that, that level of um, high concept production, you know, yeah. a fantasy world from AEW. But yeah. but I like the promo. I like what they're doing with him. Um, I, lo- I love the character. And my dog's barking right outside, and I apologize for that. But I'm, I'm um, starting to wonder if you should be worried. That dog <laughs> thing or something you don't right now. Yeah, there's a little terrier next time. They got a few. Oh, okay. Um, listen, if you, listen, if you listen to the boom, Kevin is clearly a dog man. I am a dog man. Our neighbors have dogs. This is a dog friendly podcast. This is, you're coming here for dogs and AW. You better get used to it and be happy. That's right. Ladies and well, they, she heard us talk about Braun Breaker, and, and I think that's what it is. The dogs are barking. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
Sorry. I'm as a kid, by the way, as a kid, I instinctively knew what they meant when they called Rick Steiner a dog face gremlin. That's right. Like <laughs> I just instinctively in my heart, I knew yeah. what that was. And it was that man. That's right. <laughs> yeah. The old days of Rick Steiner. Uh, I'm totally distracted. I forgot what we were talking about. Uh, God only knows what we were talking. Oh, we were talking about oh, Miro. We Miro. were talking about the high concept promo. Yeah. I think they're. I think they're holding back Lana until. I. Don't, I think she doesn't really need a job right now. So. Yeah. Um, I think they're probably just biding their time and deciding when the right time is for him. Uh, yeah. You know, he doesn't need her right now. So I think, you know, they'll they'll wait until they move him into a program where she'll make a big difference. And I think yeah. she will when she shows up. That act will be huge. Yeah, I got to tell you, I think one of the biggest mistakes that WWE has made in years has nothing to do with wrestling at all. And I think it's one of the biggest mistakes Vince has maybe ever made, and that is taking over all of the all of their performers Twitch streams. People like Paige were making as much money off of Twitch as they made off of anything, as much money as they made off anything. And I believe they are absolutely going to lose wrestlers who would have stayed otherwise due to this, especially when you're finding out uh, about, um, was it Xavier Woods um, was doing work that he wasn't, he's doing work for G4. He wasn't getting paid anything for because everything extraneous like Twitch and even TV work for G4 it turns out that all goes against his downside. Right. So basically his downside's all he can make, period. Yeah. When and I'm thinking as we move forward, I'm wondering like people like I've read that basically Paige might be in a position where she could wrestle again. I've read the same about AJ oh. Lee. Mm-hmm. And these people are making so much money off of streaming. Mm-hmm. Why would you ever go to WWE? Yeah, I mean it they have the potential to create an environment in AEW that lets that really changes the game mm-hmm. in terms of letting people generate their own income they have yeah. a higher percentage of their t-shirt sales like they, you yeah. know basically can basically keep the entrepreneurial spirit of what being an in, independent contractor means yeah they um, can actually be independent contractors right and uh, and if that happens they will have a big advantage over WD, WWE yeah. moving forward because, it, and it seems like right now the pendulum swing where WWE isn't interested in people with trip streams or people who can generate their income. They're they're interested in people who owe their jobs to WWE. Yeah, and so they're trying to get college students locked down and things like that. And um, you know, if if Tony and his team stewards it well. You know, they will be the best place to go in the world yeah. for yeah. anyone because they can build a platform and 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 launch their own platform on top of that, yeah. um, and really control their own destinies. I think that's something that they should uh, they should also do in there. Uh, look, we talk about how they have all all this extra material outside of Dynamite and outside of Rampage. One of the things I would like to see is a regular highlight of what their athletes are doing. For instance, I've only just learned in the last couple of weeks, like Thunder Rosa has has a YouTube channel going. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I watched a little bit of it this week. It was her and Ty Conti going out for tacos, um, and basically Thunder Rosa was making. That. 
Yeah, exactly. Which is why I watched that. And then Thunder Rosa makes Ty Conti really uncomfortable being like, Ty, tell us the secret ingredient to having an ass like that. And Ty's like, <laughs> um, and like she was so thrown off and basically like, I have the smallest Aww. butt in my family and things like that. Like, <laughs> I'm just Brazilian. That's all it is. Yeah. I'm just Brazilian. But um, there's so much like that. And the fact that AEW pushed Scorpio Skies um, podcast early mm-hmm. on, mm-hmm. they need to keep doing things like that. And I think that will bring a lot more people people over yeah again like they're people making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year off their twitch streams yeah and if you don't if you are not going to have that money if wwe is going to get that money you leave period right. because aw is going to be able to compare probably offer you a similar contract mm-hmm. in which you can wrestle anywhere else you want you can do appearances wherever else you want you can keep all your twitch money it puts there it puts them at a big disadvantage a big competitive disadvantage mm-hmm. when it comes to hiring people who have already established personalities and again other streams of income yep okay so Let's talk about what's coming up this week. We're one week now, one week away from winter is coming. I wonder, one of the things AEW does a lot is they they tend to, let me see how to put this, Kevin. It's basically, if they're in a, if they're in an arena where something happened 20 years ago, they're going to try and do something similar. If something big happened in an arena or on a date a year ago, they're going to give a shout out to that. That's what we saw Cody do in Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah, Winter is Coming was where we saw Sting debut. Mm-hmm. Um, this is my little tiny kid brain wondering, are we going to get a major debut at Winter is Coming in two weeks? Mm. I don't, I don't really know who question. it would be. if it were, like, I don't know who it would be because I think, um, again, Wyndham Rotunda is doing movies right now. But there's so many people out there. There's so many people out there right now. It could literally be it. There's so many people that could make a debut. But that was the big thing uh, with Winter is Coming was Sting. When Sting debuted, they didn't announce it, did they? No, I don't think they did. Did they? I'm wondering if they said they had a big announcement. But I don't think they did. I think it was a surprise. And then and he also didn't uh, appear like immediately in a program either. It was just Sting here. Yeah. And, and things like that. So I was trying to I was trying to think of like what storylines could lead to a debut, but that but they don't necessarily need to do that. They could just bring no. someone out. Yeah, um, it could just be so and so's here. And even Sting, the the other wrestlers didn't even know Sting was there until they physically saw him oh, wow. backstage. Like they kept him in a trailer yeah. until it was time to walk into the arena. Fine. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Um, well, I can only hope. Like I said, I've been talking for a couple of weeks. I've got yeah. tickets, a couple of other people from the uh, the fight game Facebook group are going to be there. Um, and so I'm looking forward to that show. Yeah. Um, the last time I was there, I went to the last time they were in Dallas, that was when, uh, Lance Archer and John Moxley had their, uh, street fight or death match or whatever it was with, uh, and neither of them are probably going to be back for that, but that's a real shame. Yeah. But you know, some kind of Texas thing, I believe is not Keith Lee from Texas. Yeah, is what would okay? So Keith Lee would be on a ninety-day non-compete. Are we oh, there he's yet? Not, he's not clear yet. I don't. You know, I don't think so. The thing is, the NXT people are only thirty days. Yeah. The the WWE people are ninety days. And for instance, I believe it's I could be wrong. I believe it's Johnny Gargano signed a one-week extension mm-hmm. to have a last match tonight on NXT. Um, if you're signing a one-week extension, 
I'm wondering it could it could like Adam Cole showed up very very soon, like a week after his final NXT appearance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Could be a Johnny Gargano even here in two weeks. It's it's possible. There's so many options. Um, let's see. So this week we've got the Young Bucks versus. Okay, so this is something I understand it, but I'm wondering how much the casual fan, the people you need to get back to a million, a million two viewers, which I know we're not going to get with West Coast being live. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Young Bucks versus Best Friends, mm-hmm. and the version of Best Friends we're getting is Chuck Taylor, who I love, and Rocky Romero, who I love, but we never did a real introduction in 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 AEW to Rocky Romero to let people know who he is, that he's this ma- he's been a major presence in New Japan for years, that he has been really good friends with these guys for years. He's a, we know he's a part of chaos. That's all we know. And it's now it's just randomly Chuck Taylor and Rocky Romero versus yeah. the Young Bucks. And I wonder how smart that is without doing that two-minute segment on who Rocky Romero is. Yeah, I hope that they do something or at least, I mean, I would imagine that Excalibur would talk about him a little bit, but sometimes that yeah. stuff just doesn't, you don't, just don't, you don't pick it up right away. Yeah. Um, I mean, as far as the match goes, it'll be good for the match because Rocky yeah. and the Bucks will, will be great. That'll I'm be great. kind of wondering, I don't know Trent's status. They have been talking about him a lot more. Yeah, his name's been coming up, so I have to think he's coming back soon, and I have to think maybe that will be kind of part of the climax of this feud is the return of Trent. That's what I'm wondering. And I'm wondering if Tony Khan is thinking he would like to see a Rapongi Vice reunion uh, against the Young Bucks because that was a big part when they were in New Japan. Yeah. There were many main or not main events, but there were many title matches on big shows. Yeah. That was some combination of Rapongi Vice versus the Bucks versus Red Dragon. There is zero chance you're wrong about that. Like as soon as you said it, there's zero chance that, that Tony Khan hasn't already thought about that. You're 100% right. Yeah, so I hope that it, it does, you know, that we see the minivan pull up. We get the big entrance again, you know. Yes. Uh, and, uh, you know, Trent and his mom make an appearance again. And, and, and we you get realize match. we are watching a show booked by a man who would 100% change arenas to allow for Trent's mom to pull in with that minivan. Yeah. <laughs> which the thing I want the most in this world for Christmas is that t-shirt. That I, is what I that, love that t-shirt. So I love much. that t-shirt as well. Um, okay. Now we've got, we've got the diamond dynamite diamond battle Royal. Mm-hmm. I'll let you know. Now I'm a mark for battle Royals. The only WWE show I watch every year is Royal rumble. Yeah. I never miss Royal rumble. Yeah. I, I love it. The rumble either. I, I love battle Royals. I really do. I wish I knew more than MJF. Who was in this match? I wish we had some idea. Well, we know that Team Taz is comprising twenty five percent of the. <laughs> That's right. That's uh, right. Of the, the which gives them a one hundred twenty five percent chance of winning. <laughs> that I really liked the Steiner math there. Yeah, I, I loved the math there. I really enjoyed that part of that segment. Yeah, and so that usually is uh, the final two, and then they do a a match later right to see who wins or that's right winner? Yeah. yeah i believe it's so, the final two yeah yeah so then if that if that plays out then the match for the ring would be in dallas for winners and winners coming Ooh, that's right oh i hate you right now so much <laughs> um okay then we've got brian danielson versus john silver i'm super excited about that i like that Again, more than most members of the Dark Order, more than Alan Angels, we know who John Silver is. And when yeah. I say we, I mean the casual fan. And 
I think everybody loves John. I think I, I particularly love John Silver. I think most people like John Silver. Yeah. And most people by this point should know, especially if, if anybody who was there for the John Huber Memorial yes. episode, John Silver can freaking wrestle. Yeah. He's a little guy. Mm-hmm. And Daniel Brian Danielson's the right size dude for him to have an amazing match against. I'm excited for this one. Yeah, I'm very excited for to see because you know that Brian Danielson probably likes him and will... Absolutely. Create a great match for him. Absolutely. One of the things a lot, I don't know if a lot of people realize is, is, is John Silver and uh, Silver and Reynolds held a lot, have, have a lot of indie titles. Like they have a lot of indie tag titles. I believe they were PWG tag team champions mm. on, on a number of occasions. Um, let's see. We also have Jamie Hader versus Rio. That's, that should be a good match. I'm liking Jamie Hader. I like what's going on with her. Yeah. And I'm glad we've got Rio back. Mm-hmm. I know there are more matches than that this week. They have to have announced something for Rampage. I just don't know what they are. But I, that's all I could find leading in. Yeah, I don't recall anything really being set up. Like I, like you generally by now, generally when we do these shows, mm-hmm. we have at least one or two Rampage matches. I don't think we do right now. I don't think we do either. That's interesting. And I even went to the event pages at AEW.com, and this this is what I could get. But look, these are this is a good show right here. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's next for CM Punk, which is odd. Like we don't mm-hmm. when it, do we know when his match against MJF is? No, we, we don't. don't, and that's weird. It's strange that we don't really have a next step there. Mm-hmm. Uh, not even a, a match between him and a flunky. It seems like that. Yeah, you're right. I th- they'll probably announce something Monday or Tuesday, but you know, maybe that kind of so. plays into the thing of us sort of feeling like maybe some Tony Khan was a little overly busy this week or something. Yeah, because it does seem like they're a little more locked up than this. Yeah. Uh, if anybody I, knows what's going on with Fulham FC. Email yeah. us. Let us know. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, something's got to be going on in Tony Khan's life. I'll need right to now. check the dark tapings because a lot of times what you'll see is that a lot of stuff's laid out really well in advance, and you can kind of read the tea leaves by seeing who gets matches on dark. Yeah. Um, but um, you know, all I really recall from the tapings that we saw was that Brandy's back. Right. And um, Brandy's back. We've lost Lulu Pencil back to Japan, which yeah. is heartbreaking for me. I'm part of Pencil Army. When I initially <laughs> announced that on Twitter, I got a lot of followers. And they're like, oh, man, you're a Lulu Pencil fan. And I had to tell them, I'm like, look, I've never seen her wrestle. I just love that her name's Lulu Pencil and she came out in like a tux. Yes. I, I just loved that. And I'm like, I'm all in on Lulu Pencil. So we got Brandy. We lost Lulu. I don't know if that's a fair trade. Yeah. Um. When it comes to when it comes to the should have been on dynamite segment, um, the one thing I have, and we might have already talked about this. Let me know if we have. Have we talked on air yet about FTR feuding with a tag team that I want to be an AEW? No. Every okay. week we every week we've done a show, and then you said I meant to talk about the Briscoes. Yeah. yeah. A couple of weeks ago, the Briscoes were backstage at AEW, and I love the Briscoes. And they've never, they've never really been been on a major stage in America. It's been ROH for so long. Right. I genuinely, this has been my favorite tag team for over a decade. They have done some ridiculously stupid things, yep. some ignorant things to keep themselves out of major organizations. Mm-hmm. I hope that is in their past because they were backstage. But now this week, they have been feuding with FTR on Twitter. Mm-hmm. There have been awards. There's, I believe. I believe there's even they even cut a promo on FTR. There's a promo video. Yep. I hope this leads to something. We've seen things like this in the past where guys have done shout outs at indie events and then done things on Twitter and they have ended up on AEW, even if it's just one match with FTR. 
I really want this. Um, I do think they're still one of the best best tag teams in the world. And if they could act right, I would love to see them get their shot, even for a little while in AEW. Yeah, as as people, I reserve judgment. I'm not really sure, you know, uh, how how good of friends I'd be with them in real life. Yeah, but yeah, but don't think we'd be hanging a lot as characters and performers. Um, yeah, they they're just so solid. They've been the anchors of Ring of Honor, and now the Ring of Honor seems to be, you know, imaginary at this point. Uh, yeah, you know, they've got to land somewhere. I for a long time I thought I used to want to see them in WWE just to see what kind of crazy stuff they would do there, but not in this environment. It's not going to yeah. work. To and, me, them in WWE would be the equivalent of when um, the the sheep herders became the bushwhackers. Yeah, and that would be so vi- Yeah, because I mean, you've got this incredibly violent tag team, and they became they became comic book characters. Yeah. And, yeah. and you don't want to see that with this crew. I could, <clears throat> I could see, um, you know, I I feel like the time the clock is just ticking until FTR wins the tag titles, and I could see, you know an angle where FTR wins the belts and immediately gets laid out by the Briscoes. I mean, that'd like, be, that'd be before great. Before the show even ends, you know, I'm really introduce them that way. I think the tag division is probably where we're going to get our first repeat champions. Yeah. And it feels like it would probably F- be FTR. I hope proud and powerful get a shot at some point. Mm-hmm. They're a really great tag team and they've been involved in a lot of top stuff. I would love to see them with the belts at some point. Yeah. Um, well, I, I really think it's time to introduce the trios title I, because there's too many great tag teams and too many potential storylines. Yeah. To like even like let's just say the Briscoes come in, you still have this sort of dangling uh, storyline with Jurassic Express getting a tag title run. Mm-hmm. You know, Santana Ortiz are waiting in the wings. There's like, there's only one title to go around, and I'm, I'm yeah. not a big fan of a lot of titles, but I think that if yeah. they introduce the trios title, it would it would give a whole different dynamic where you have an entirely different division. You can move people in and out of that as yeah. your you know singles can match up with tags and pull them out of the mix for a little while. I think you saw me like partying over here when you yeah. said that, because this is something I wanted to talk about earlier, but I couldn't figure out how to really make it fit in this week's podcast. And and we need to wrap up soon. But yep. Tony Khan said we're going to get a trios division. That's going to mm-hmm. happen. We've had so many. We have so many factions. We've got Death Triangle. We have best friends. We have so many groups mm-hmm. set up right now yep. for trios titles. And I like that way better than having like a U.S. tag team division or the TNT yes. tag yep. team champions. I'm ready for it. I really, really want it. Yeah. Um, I would I love to see it once they've once they've made the move after maybe Battle of the Belts and wrap yep. up their tournaments and start moving toward revolution. I'd love to see a tournament that leads towards like a, a title match revolution maybe. And I'd probably start with a super click. Yeah. Oh yes. Perfect. Yeah. Listen, if you're listening right now, send us in peppermintfattyyahoo.com. I'll have an official email set up n- next week. Like I said, I would this week, let <laughs> us know like what, who, who would you like to see in in the trios division, what teams, even if even if they're like clearly already trios like Death Triangle or other groups that are kind of close to being put together but aren't yet, like I'd like to have a real deep discussion about what our top ten trios would look like. Which, by the way, I'm kind of surprised we don't have a top ten yet every week out of AEW. Like we've had the top fives, but man, mm-hmm. they're deep enough; they could do top fifteens like the UFC right now. Yeah. I feel like in every division and be solid. They could, right now. But they have a hard enough time keeping that thing, keeping it straight. even making keep, sense. Yeah, yeah, keeping it making sense. Yeah. 
All right. I think that's kind of, I think we've covered the week in AEW, Kevin. We're talking yep. about the matches coming up. Let me see. Are there any other matches? No. Last one we talked about Jamie Hayter versus Rio. Mm-hmm. Um, this is kind of made this, this podcast, this conversation has kind of been cathartic. It's made me feel better about the me week too. in AEW. Yes. My um, outlook is much brighter than it was. Yeah. On now before Thursday b- morning. Before we go, everybody, please go check out fightgamemedia.com. It's the webpage behind this, around which all these podcasts uh, revolve. Whether you're into pro wrestling, boxing, MMA, it's all there. Really great coverage of everything. Um, and Fight Game Media Plus at patreon.com slash fightgamemedia, $5 a month. It goes to support uh, me, Kevin, all the other podcasters, all the writers at fightgamemedia.com. You're going to get exclusive shows like your 1997 Monday Night Raw reviews. You're going to get a Dynamite show that Kevin co-hosted a couple weeks ago. Kevin, how was that? That was super fun. That's the first time I've ever actually gotten to talk to Paul directly. So it's yeah. been good. Paul is a great guy. We've got the five-star Yoshi show. So if you want to know more about Lulu Pencil, Mesa all these ladies that have been coming to AEW and doing a great job. Every week, there's a really great match on, on, on Dark, on Dark Elevation involving some of these women. Go listen to the five-star Yoshi show to really dig deep into what's going on over there. You got a full version of Brace for Impact. You've got a limited version free. You get the full version with the subscription. Also dropping today, as in Monday, when when this podcast releases, is a new episode of Observe This with Garrett Gonzalez of F4W and Fight Game Media. He's going to interview podcast pioneer Will Washington. So... Mm. That's a lot. That's a lot of content. A lot of people you're supporting for just five dollars. Kevin, where can people follow you online if they want to talk to you more about what we talk about here on the show? Uh, well, the the easiest place would be to join the Fight Game Media uh, Facebook group. Uh, that's that's I'm hanging out there during most of the shows, mostly yeah. talking about WWE and poking fun at, or mostly talking about AEW and poking fun <laughs> at WWE. You can yeah. follow me on Twitter at, at Kevin Ely. Uh, starting to talk a little more wrestling out there, uh, but this week it's mostly been talking about the Beatles. <laughs> that I, I really need to check out that show. I'm really excited about what I've been hearing from everybody about it. Follow me everywhere at Peppermint Fatty. Um, if you're going to go on, uh, if you want to try and follow me on TikTok, it, throw an X on either end of that because somebody stole Peppermint Fatty. Um, I'm going to find them. I'm gonna hunt them down. I'm gonna get it back one way or another. Even if I gotta, <laughs> even if I gotta act like them boys. So yeah, follow me everywhere. Peppermint Fatty, follow Fight Game Media, and we'll see you all again back here next week, Monday here with the Boom. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy eighty percent lean ground beef for three forty nine a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for seventy seven cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.